So you want to start a podcast, right? I know it can seem really daunting and complicated to have to think through how to record it or how to edit it and even how to upload it. But don't worry about any of that. I'm about to give you the only tool you need to create an A1 top of the line podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start making money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M, to get started today. Now, let's get back into our content. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Black Fashion History Podcast an audio series by Black Fashion Closet, where we chronicle the contributions of black people all around the world to luxury fashion. It's black history, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Tanika Russ. So if you love luxury, history, being black, or all three, then this is the place for you. Now let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome to season one of the Black Fashion History Podcast and thank you all for tuning in. Let's give a round of applause for everybody for clicking the link and listening. Round of applause, round of applause. Yay! I'm so excited to get into this first episode and this first season. But before we go there, let me just give you, you know, a lay of the land, let you know what you're getting into. You know, this is our first episode, so I know you don't know what to expect. You don't even know who's talking to you. You don't even know what this is about. But no worries, I'm going to give you all of that. So first things first, I'm your host and my name is Tanika Russ. And I am just a regular girl that loves fashion. I was about to say regular, degular, schmegular girl. But I felt like um, that would be a lot, like a lot of Cardi. (laughs) And we already get a lot of Cardi on Instagram. And, you know, there's already a Cardi. There's no need to be a second Cardi. So anyway, I love fashion, especially luxury fashion. Like when I say luxury fashion, I mean all of the labels, all of the brands, all of the prices. So, But don't let any of that fool you. Just because I love luxury fashion does not mean I can afford luxury fashion. I am currently too broke for all of that. That's why I do all the research. That's why I watch all the fashion shows. That's why I look at all the blogs and all the Instagram pages. Because I like to dream. And that's why I'm just on this mic talking to you about it. Um, but... <laughs> What I love even more than fashion is black people because I'm black. Um, So I love my people and I love um, black history and I love putting it all together, especially in the fashion industry that likes to act like black people don't exist or that we didn't contribute anything. Uh, This is really 
like my safe space uh, and my fun place because I get to show you guys first of all that black people and fashion go hand in hand of course you already knew that um, but black people and luxury fashion go hand in hand and this is especially for all of the people out there that like to ignore us in all of these different spaces uh, this is just another reminder that we exist we matter and that we not only contributed we started a lot of this like a lot of these things and that's what black fashion history podcast is all about it's really in the name um i'm very simple so i don't like too much hoopla so i gave you i gave it to y'all straight in the name black fashion history podcast and that's what you're gonna hear and since it's september which is fashion month you know we're gonna start off this first season honoring all of the luxury well not all of them because there are so many but honoring some luxury black designers that didn't get the shine that they deserved while they were living or they don't get the shine that they deserve now even though that may have be passed um that we act like we don't know who they are so this season we're going to cover all of them. We're going to give them their flowers and their roses as they deserve. We're going to put them in the Hall of Fame. We're going to give them their honors. We're going to give them their things. That's what the kids say, right? Give them their things. We're going to give them all of their things. And we're starting off with the mother of them all, um, the woman who is recognized as the first black person to be a noted fashion designer. And her name is the impeccable, the amazing, the incredible, I don't know why I said that so weird, <laughs> the incredible Miss Ann Lowe. Ann Lowe was born on December 14th in 1898 in Clayton, Alabama. Uh, so deep deep south <laughs> she came from a family of dressmakers both her mother and her grandmother were gifted seamstresses uh, and they had their own dressmaking or t tailoring sew shop whatever you want to call it they had their own business making dresses so as a child, Anne played with the scraps that would be left over from her mother and her grandmother's work, and she would shape them into like really beautiful, delicate fabric flowers, which later on became one of her signature things. So the family later moved to Montgomery, Alabama, where they ran a successful dressmaking business. However, when Anne was 16, and this happened in 1914, her mother died. And so she ended up taking over the family fashion business. Uh, and this is really where she started making, I would say, one of her first marks. So as a child, she, you know, fashioned these flowers out of the scraps and then she made clothing and things for her family members. But at 16, when she took over the business, she really began to make her name a name for herself, especially among the elite women of the time. And it's because uh, her mom, before she died, she was making a dress for the First Lady of Alabama. But when she passed away, she obviously couldn't finish it. So Anne finished the dress at 16 and it was amazing. So 
Later in 1917, Anne moved to New York and studied at the St. Taylor School of Design. Uh, even though it's in the North, it was still very racist and still also segregated. That's a lot of things. A lot of things. That's one thing that people like to ignore. They think only the South was segregated. No, the North was also segregated. Uh, and so because of this, she had to take classes alone, like in a classroom all by herself. And a lot of the white students, well, basically all of the white students didn't want to take class with the quote unquote Negro. However, her designs were so exceptional that it was held as an example to all of the other students, um, the ones who refused to take classes with her, the ones with whom, the ones from whom she was segregated from, um, her designs were held up as like the example of what to do, as the example of exceptional design. And I think that is the ultimate display of black girl magic of black womanness is that you know you try to keep me out of your space but not only did I come into it I bodied it you know <laughs> so all of these white students thought oh, this little black girl ain't got nothing we don't want this little black girl here she came in and she not only um had to deal with you know your racism and all of these barriers put in front of her she did that with grace and she also was better than you so I'm sorry that just gives me all of the inspiration anyway she went on to complete the two-year program in one year again another example of black superwomanness um, and exception exceptionality is that even a word well, I'm going to use it, exceptionality. <laughs> so after she completed the program and continued her career designing for the elite, in 1950, she opened up her shop in Harlem on Lexington, and it was called Ann Lowe's Gowns. And Miss Ann did not play about her gowns. Like I said, at 16, she ended up sewing a dress for the First Lady of Alabama. So she is no stranger to luxury. She's no stranger to the elite. And that's the game that she wanted to play. So she was pure 100% all about the bourgeoisie coin. Okay. So she told Ebony Magazine in their December 1986 issue, she said, I love my clothes and I'm particular about who wears them. I am not interested in sewing for cafe society or social climbers. I do not cater to Mary and Sue. I sew for the families of the social register. So she knew very early on in her career who her client was, who she wanted to sew for, and she knew that she was coming after the luxury coin and the luxury market. Uh, and she began to build her reputation among, you know, the millionaires and the aristocratic high society. So she designed for people like the Rockefellers, the Roosevelt's, um, Lyndon B. Johnson's wife, uh, tons and tons. And the list goes on about of celebrity and millionaire women that she sold for and that she created. I don't even want to say so, because I think that diminishes her talent a little bit but that she created looks for, that she crafted presents for. Um, 
1946, she designed the dress that actress Olivia de Havilland wore to accept the Academy Award for Best Actress. And no two of her creations were alike. Everything was unique and it was handmade. Uh, she was famous for the fabric flowers that she would add to garments, as well as her hand-sewn formal gowns and cotillion and ball dresses. So when people wanted gowns, they knew who to go for. for. I said go for. When people wanted gowns, they know who to come to. She was the woman for the gown. Her name, Lowe, became synonymous with gowns in high society. Everyone absolutely loved her designs, um, including the world-famous and renowned Christian Dior. She was one of his favorite designers. So the legend goes that one of her clients wore her, one of her dresses in Paris, and he saw it, and he was like, who is that who made that dress she told him and he said send her my love and a few years later miss Lowe was out in paris having dinner and hobnobbing with dior and she became one of his favorite designers now even though in that particular instance her client gave her credit for her work Lowe is finding that a lot of her clients did not give her credit for her work because she was a black woman, uh, which was obviously a deterrent for her business because if they don't know she made it, people don't know to come to her. One example of this is the work that she did with Jackie Kennedy. So when Jackie Kennedy announced her engagement to Senator John F. Kennedy, and of course she wasn't Jackie Kennedy at the time, but when the engagement was announced, Ann Lowe was commissioned to design the wedding dress as well as all of the bridesmaids' dresses. Unfortunately, a week before the wedding, Lowe's workroom flooded, ruining 10 out of the 15 dresses for the wedding, including the bride's dress, uh, which gave Lowe and her team only 10 days to remake the 10 dresses that were destroyed. So they had to repurchase all of the fabrics and redo everything. The wedding gown, which originally took her and her team eight weeks to make, they remade that in five days. And they remade the 10 dresses in 10 days. Now pause. I'm going to stop there. That is amazing. First of all, I think it's amazing that she was able to make an entire wedding gown in eight weeks because eight weeks is not that much time. That's like two months. Then not only does she do that, she goes through a whole natural disaster, rebuys everything, and then is able to remake that same dress in five days and no one's the wiser. Like When we think about Jackie Onassis Kennedy, everyone talks about her style everyone talks about her wedding dress and so for her to be able to create such a masterpiece in little time one that's become timeless and iconic and synonymous with style is amazing and it's just a testament to her talent anyway let's move on so when Lo arrived in Newport, Rhode Island, where the wedding was taking place to deliver the bridal party's dresses, the staff at the front door, of course, would not let her in because she's a black woman. And you can't be a black woman in the 1950s and not experience racism. 
Oh, you can't be a black woman now, honestly, and I experienced racism. So they told her she'd have to go to the back door. And it is rumored that she said that she will take her dresses back if they do not let her in the front door. And guess what? Miss Lowe walked right through that front door. And as we know, everyone fawned over Jackie O's dresses. But when asked who made her dress, Jackie responded, a colored dressmaker. And that's what I'm saying. Uh, A lot of these women loved her style, loved what she did. And while some of them gave her credit, a lot of them just really uh, wrote her off as a colored dressmaker, as if she wasn't one of the greatest designers of that time. Um, And that really hindered her business. It's important to give people their credit because that's how they're able to build their reputation. That's how they're able to build their business and really create a legacy for themselves. But I digress. Let's move on. (laughs) So during her career, Lowe's dresses were sold in luxury stores, including Neiman Marcus and Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, She even became the head designer of the Adam Room at Saks, which was a special in-house boutique that catered specifically to the social elite. And we all know, as I've repeatedly been saying throughout this episode, Miss Lowe is all about luxury, elite, high society, all of that. But even though she was sought after and sold in these luxury stores, she still had a business issue. Um, She had a pricing issue specifically. So some of her clients, in addition to not giving her the credit that she deserved, they would persuade her to charge hundreds of dollars less for her work than her competitors. So that ended up putting her in a position where she's taking a loss on each piece. The Jackie O dress is one example. So that was projected to be a $700 profit, which in today's money would be $6,726.58. However, it ended up being a $2,200 loss. So in today's money, that would be $21,140.68. As you can see, that is a lot of money to lose on any business transaction. And that's because of, you know, the flood that happened, her having to buy, rebuy the materials, remake all of the dresses, you know, all of those factors. However, that's something that she did not tell her client. Uh, She never told Jackie's mom, who's the one that commissioned her to do the dress. And so she was never able to recoup those costs. Um, And that's just one example of her undercharging. So sometimes it was her clients pushing her to undercharge I'm sure because they were trying to get a better deal Uh, and of course a lot of them even though her dresses were amazing she was also a black woman Um, so there's still this kind of look to her as oh this colored woman she doesn't know what she's doing I'm how I'm not gonna pay this colored woman the same price that I would pay you know this person or it I would pay for Dior. Ugh, how dare I? She's a colored woman. Um, so there was still some of that stigma. That practice caused her to go into bankruptcy and created trouble with the IRS. So I am going to take a history break right here and say this. 
I want to say this to all of my black women listening to this podcast right now. Black women make the least amount of money. Okay, if you compare how much we make uh, and all factors are kept the same, meaning education, uh, family status, living, all of that is kept the same. We still make less money than our white female counterparts and our white male counterparts, even our black male counterparts. We make the least amount of money. I want you to always remember that every time someone tries to get you to undercharge for your work, I also want you to remember your worth. You know how much time you put into your work. You know how much money you spent training to be good at your work. You know how many years of practice you have to do your work. Charge your clients how much you are worth or I wouldn't even say how much you're worth because you're worth so much more than money, but charge your clients the value of your work, okay? Do not let people try to tell you that you need to be cheaper, that they can get it someplace else for cheaper. If they can get it someplace else for cheaper, let them go and get it someplace else for cheaper. Get your money, black woman, okay? Pay black women. That's the end of my PSA, but I just want to make sure that y'all knew that, okay? Miss Lowe was out here getting gypped by her clients and that's not right. Her work deemed more than that. Her work deemed more respect, deemed more value, and it certainly deemed more money. Uh, And so I don't want you all, and I'm saying this to myself too, I don't want us to fall to that same fate. We need to get our money. Black women need to be respected and we need to be paid. All right, now the PSA is officially over. So because of all of that, not being paid the value of her work, undercharging her clients, not staying competitive with the market, so charging way less than her competitors, you know, in 1962, she lost her shop in New York City after failing to pay the taxes, um, being bankrupt, not having the money to do those things. In the same year, she suffered from severe glaucoma, which caused her to lose sight in her right eye, um, eventually it having to be removed, and also a cataract developing her in her left eye. However, Miss Lowe says, I am not out for the count, and this is the amazing thing about her. She was still able to sketch and sew, but she did so based on just feeling around, and She says, and this is a paraphrase, but like I do way better feeling than a lot of y'all do seeing. That's basically what she was saying. And she was still able, even with diminished vision in one eye and the loss of sight in the other, still able to create amazing gowns that people were lining up to buy. In 1968, at the age of 70, she went ahead and opened Anne Lowe's Originals. So she bounced back from the bankruptcy. She bounced back from the IRS and the tax issue. She bounced back from the glaucoma. She bounced back from losing her eye. Uh, And at 70, she opened up another store called Anne Lowe's Originals on Madison Avenue. And that made her the first black person ever not just black woman but black person ever to have a business on the high-end retail strip if you know anything about madison avenue it's just as high-end now as it was back then so that's 
an amazing accomplishment, a major deal for this black woman, this older black woman who had faced so much adversity in her business so far to bounce back at the age of 70, where a lot of people think their life is over and be the first one to open a business on Madison Avenue. According to the New York Post, she sent 500 of her previous clients handwritten postcards letting her know that she was back in business and she was back like she never left. Even though Miss Lowe had just one eye technically and there was barely vision in that eye, she was still sewing and creating those signature designs that people knew and loved her for. In 1972, at the age of 74, Miss Anne decided to wrap it all up and she retired. She later died in Queens, New York on February 25th, 1981. However, even though she's passed away, her legacy still lives on in all of us who love and adore fashion, luxury fashion, uh, and history. If you visit the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture, you'll be able to see some of her beautiful dresses on display. So you get to see the flower work that I was talking about, the beautiful ball gowns, Uh, up close in person and I believe they even have the dress like the wedding dress that she made for Jackie Kennedy so you'll be able to see some of her lovely work as we are in fashion month and we are fawning over all of designers new collection as we are screaming from our lungs to support black designers I really want to challenge you to remember the designers that came before all of them and that really paved the way so designers like Ann Lowe who didn't get a chance to show at a New York fashion week or who didn't get a chance to grace the covers of Vogue or who didn't even get a chance for their names to be mentioned uh, on red carpet so people could recognize the amazing work I really challenge you to remember them to think about them and challenge the industry to recognize them because they deserve the flowers living or dead And that's it, guys. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of the Black Fashion History Podcast. If you would like show notes and you want to know all of my sources for this episode, then you can actually just send me a text. That's right. I said text me. So you can send me a message at 864-539-2284. Again, that's 864-539-2284. And just text me your name and your email address and I will send you over all of my sources and all of the show notes as well as some cool pictures of Ann Lowe so you can see what she looks like and, you know, some of her dresses and stuff. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at Black Fashion History Podcast. Everything is spelled the same. There's nothing funky. Um, just type in black fashion history podcast on Instagram and you'll see us and make sure to click follow and last but certainly not least (laughs) this is actually I would say the most important if you love this episode please 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 do me a quick favor and subscribe rate us five stars and join me again next week for another black fashion history installment bye bye